Hello and welcome to the Between Movements podcast, episode 8. Today I will be talking with Edward Hamrock. Edward is a Los Angeles-born pianist and musicologist who was active both in the United States and Europe. He first studied piano and musicology at Fullerton College and California State University, Long Beach, where I met him, before moving to Germany to pursue further studies at the Trossingen University of Music, Heidelberg University, the University of Freiburg, and Humboldt University of Berlin. In 2019, his passion in particular for the music of J.S. Bach led him to complete a research internship at the Bach Archive in Leipzig, Germany. He's currently finishing his master's in musicology at Humboldt University of Berlin, where he now lives, and preparing an English translation of a biography on Bach. Today we'll be talking about his studies in Germany, as well as some of the research he's done at the Bach Archive. So without further ado, here is the conversation. A lot of people talk about the differences between education in the United States and Germany, and most notably, the cost. In fact, the education in Germany is free, right? Or is it totally free? Um, it's certainly cheaper, if not free. I have studied at a few different institutions in Germany. Um, I should also say I did study at a conservatory there, so I also do piano. So I've experienced, I would say, um, a bit of a, uh, yeah, somewhat of a range of the possibilities of the German institutions for music. I'm at a university now, and back when I started, I was at a, it's called a Musikhochschule, which is really best translated, in my opinion, with the term conservatory. Some people say it's a music university. But at both of these institutions, the tuition costs for all students was more or less negligible compared to places in the United States. So to give you an example, I currently study at a university in Berlin at the Humboldt Universität zu Berlin, so the Humboldt University of Berlin. And for a semester um, of studies as a master's student, I pay roughly about $380. And most of that, most of the $380 per semester actually does not go to the university. It goes to the Berlin Public Transportation Company so that I can, for that semester, take all of the public transportation for, wow. for yeah, this one-time semester cost. So really, of the $380, let's say maybe, maybe about 80 or so goes to something university-related. Wow, that's that's unfathomable. Yeah, it's it's amazing to hear how uh, how startled you are or how amazed you are. But yeah, that's uh, your your uh, Josh. Your reaction is what I get every time. Really, I explain it to people here in the U.S. Yeah, and and I think the reaction in Germany to the cost that we pay here is probably it's actually uh, more or less the same. But uh, exactly, uh, it's befuddlement just for them. I mean, how can a how can a young person get ahead in life if to get a, a university education, they have to be burdened with just an insane amount of debt? Yeah, it's it's going to be, I think, one of the great struggles of our generation of millennials. It, it already is, but yeah, we're going to have to figure out how to deal with that in our country. I wanted to talk a little bit about your time at this research institute in Leipzig. Yes, yeah. Right, Germany. Can you talk a little bit about what uh, the institution does? 
Yeah, so I, I was an intern at the Bach Archive in Leipzig, which is the, I would say, central research institution for Bach, possibly the central figure of Western musical history, at least in my opinion. Um, anyway, this institution is in charge of looking at many, many documents and evidence at what went on during his life, what went on while he was composing, so in his manuscripts, and to come up with, for example, very good musical editions or a book that clearly documents or what he put into his letters, for example. We don't have so many examples of written communication from Bach, not as many as would be ideal, but we have some. So those were also documented. And this can be incredibly precise or incredibly detailed descriptions that are also necessary. So that's one instance, but it does many things. It's, uh, it's in charge of, for example, the, or it's connected to the uh, Bach competition. And this institute is right across the street from the St. Thomas Church where he worked for most of his life, right? Yeah, so that's that's actually one of, that was one of the exciting or most inspiring elements for me personally and it's it's I think I think for everybody who works there. I can't speak for them, but I think I'm I feel confident enough to say that. Um, yeah, the archive is located right across from the uh, it's in German it's the Thomaskirche. And yeah, in English, you could say St. Thomas Church, exactly. And that is where Bach was employed for the final roughly about third of his life. I mean, that was really, uh, of all the places he worked, the that was the place for the longest. Leipzig was the town where he was for the longest. And yeah, this church was kind of the central point um, for his professional life, really. Is that where the competition takes place in in the cathedral itself? No, I, I believe it takes place in more modern spaces. But it is, for example, it is actually where he is now buried. So when you walk into the church and you go towards the front, you will see the burial site of Bach. You see wow. his name. And uh, it's, it's quite impressive uh, when you have for your whole life really admired the great work of this person. Yeah, it's like a sacred space for classical music. Well, yes, for I mean, for anybody who loves music, I, I think it's really uh, yeah, something yeah. special. So can you talk a little bit about some of the research you did? Yeah, I mean, I, I um, assume that some of it is still in process and that it's uh, probably better not to be too detailed about it. But I was more or less assigned with the task of finding the known manuscripts to a certain composer's work of the 18th century, who a great part of his works have been believed lost, unfortunately, because Leipzig was badly damaged um, during World War II. And there is a sort of uh, useful research that a number of years ago had documented many works of this composer before the war. And there's now this attempt to try to reconstruct exactly what manuscripts we might still have. I mean, there are still a number. It's not as if there's now very, very little left of his work, but there's a question as to, well, how much of that work that was documented pre-war can still be retraced? And yeah, it's an ongoing thing, but I was essentially uh, putting together a sort of a list of the manuscripts I was able to find. 
can you can you say his name or is that something you can't talk about yet? Yes, the composer was Bach's successor in Leipzig, actually. His name was Johann Dolles and would have actually been somewhat in charge of making sure he preserved the works of his predecessors, one of them being Bach. He's an interesting composer, too. We know that, for example, he was the one who would have conducted one of Bach's motets when Mozart came to Leipzig and would have been the person, in a way, tied to inspiring Mozart. There's this account of Mozart having heard a motet of Bach when he was in Leipzig and then being really, really impressed with the music, understandably so. And yes, it would have been Dolis who would have conducted this work. So when you're working with all these documents and things, how rare or common is it to discover new documents? Well, with regards to discovering new manuscripts, um, it's a bit difficult to generalize because, of course, there are composers who have been more researched or less researched. But with regards to Bach, it's by no means easy or common to find a new work by Bach. It should also be said that there are also a number of works we have whose manuscripts have been lost. So who have been so works of Bach that we have only because later sources have been retained. For example, one of my favorite works of Bach, which is his cantata, the so-called Actus Tragicus, or in German, it's uh, Gottes Zeit ist ja der beste Zeit, BWV 106. We just don't have a manuscript source to this. We only have a printed source. Quite a shame, um, especially in the case of this piece, because it's uh, one of his greatest works and really just one of the greatest works there is. But yeah, it's uh, quite rare. It happens occasionally, but not very often. You mentioned that you were translating an article into English for Google Arts and Culture. Yes, so Google Arts and Culture is this platform that allows cultural institutions to do online electronic exhibitions, really. And the Bach Archive had a while back had a chance to do one and then ended up having another one that was set to be released Coincidentally, during the time I was there, which was wonderful because I did, as you mentioned, I did in fact get to do the English translating for their exhibition. This was an exhibition about the various figures throughout time who held the position of Thomas Cantor, the job that Bach had. And it's a fascinating exhibit that mostly has just pictures of different manuscripts and is a sort of journey through musical history with the visual aid of the manuscripts or to show what that looks like, what music history looks like in terms of the raw musical manuscripts. And uh, the exhibition covered people who came before him, since he was by no means the first, and people who came after him, because he was no, by no means the last. In fact, there is currently still a Thomas Cantor, his name is Gottel Schwarz. So it's still a functioning Lutheran church? Like there's a congregation that meets there to this day? Yeah, so it's it's a really impressive tradition. There's still regular services in this church. And there is still a Thomas choir. There's still a Thomaner choir, is their proper name. And this is a children's choir that Bach was in charge of. 
and that still exists. It existed well before the time of Bach for centuries. Still exists today. I heard them myself, and hearing them was one of the real joys of my musical life. Yes, yeah, so I, I translated for their exhibition about the different Thomas Cantors and the, the history of the Tomanar Corps and um, was able to then provide an English language page as well to make it accessible for English speakers. Is that page currently up right now? Yeah, uh, anybody can see it. Um, I'd be happy to send you the link or be happy if people looked at it and i i think uh yeah i'll i'll post the link in the description yes yeah uh, so that anyone who wants to wants to see it can take a look at that yeah you'll you'll see uh, if you take a look you'll see a lot of manuscripts it's it's really dedicated to revealing what history looks like in music manuscripts so you really get to see the uh let's say hard data that comes with the research that goes on there so your work at the at the research institute did it sort of meet your expectations? Was it different than you thought it would be? Was it more or less the same? In a, in a way, it actually really surprised me in a very pleasant way. I, I wasn't sure what to expect, and being in Germany for seven years, in a way, I've integrated a lot. But there's still always this anxiousness about uh, new experiences where you just don't know what to expect. Cultural differences and. Um, which is not to imply anything negative. I mean, you just want to make sure you you do things in a way that that work for everybody. So um, I was, of course, a bit anxious. I really wanted to be useful there and do good things. I mean, I, I really do love Bach, and I would wanted to do some good work in that field, so to say. But I was really pleasantly surprised at how interesting all of the things I did were and how much I really did learn and how much they wanted me to learn and, and wanted me to do interesting, meaningful things. So it was um, it was six weeks that really were very inspiring. It was inspiring to be able to just every day walk by the great church and to also then hear the choir that he would have conducted to be just learning about his life, really getting a, a clearer sense of what went on during his life, who he was as a person, what his duties would have been. I had a great time. <laughs> it's it's funny, actually, that, uh, well, maybe not funny. It's It's great that you got to do this because I remember literally the first time I met you at Cal State Long Beach, we were in the piano department. And our first conversation, you asked me who my favorite composers were. Uh, I don't remember who I said at the time because it's always changing for me, but you uh, very clearly stated that it was Bach. <laughs> and, oh, well. Uh, and oh. Uh, I remember how much you worked on his stuff and you were always, always uh, interested in his material and his life. So, yeah, you've, all, you've come all the way to Germany and it's, it's a cool thing that you oh. got to do that. Oh, that makes me, makes me happy that that is your memory. Um, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a, yeah, it's meaningful to hear. I, I really, really believe if if you love music as i do you just kind of um have to marvel at what he did achieve and what he has provided the world it's it's just the most extraordinary body of work he had a technical mastery that has just never been surpassed and uh once again to be able to every day be immersed in that as what i was doing for quote work is um it was a great pleasure and honor yeah, he's one of those 
musicians and composers, I mean, he changed the Western world of music forever. And so many composers cite him as being the most important, even across genres, even a lot of jazz musicians I know uh, hold Bach in high esteem for his counterpoint, his understanding of harmony and everything. In a way, it's, it's almost as if he is not a composer, but a definer of music. You know, it, it, it is actually impossible for me to imagine what music would be without him. What he accomplished is, is so vast. And uh, to take that in in one lifetime is, is truly impossible. Um, and that's wonderful. That's a, it's a great thing. It's as vast as a universe, really. I think one of the interesting things to me when I f- was reading about his life was to find out that during his lifetime, he was regarded as somewhat archaic in his composition. Is that right? Yeah, you know, even by the people who really were on his side and in his corner, there was sort of the acknowledgement, yeah, you know, this guy is doing what people actually were doing a few decades ago. Yeah, that is true. But it's really, really good. And um, this proved to be controversial. I mean, there's um, a rather famous uh, controversy that broke out at some point. There was a more or less a sort of a written out debate about Bach and his music done by some of his contemporaries during his lifetime. I mean, he would have would have known about what was going on, what was being written of him. His, his music was viewed as being not entirely, uh, how shall we say, not entirely catchy, not entirely attractive. And he wasn't really interested in pioneering a new, brand new, never heard something. He just wanted to become the best at counterpoint, right? Well, I hesitate to really uh, try to sum up what he was going for. But what I, I will say is that he seems to have approached or thought of music in a in a quasi scientific systematic way he he uses the word at one point in one of his the title pages of a choral work but he refers to his efforts in um, I'm going to use the german word musikwissenschaft which would be if you translate it just literally music science so hmm. music to him seemed to have more to do with something Hmm. How shall we say? I don't know. Uh, scientific or philosophical, uh, rather than entertainment. Right. So he really believed in sort of exhausting what can be done in music, shall we say? So his music is not uh, not always simple, but it's never also convoluted. He he exhausts all the possibilities of the ideas that come to him. And that makes for an incredible sonic adventure. So if someone from America wants to go do something like you did and get their master's in Germany, what's the process like? I'm very happy to share this. You know, I I really, I don't uh, try to keep these good things as secrets. You know, I would be very happy if more and more people from the U.S. came over to Germany and sought to make a a way for themselves there. I think it's a very good way. I think it's important that people realize there are more possibilities to your development as a musician or really just any profession 
um, than just staying in the U.S. I mean, I, I, I love many things about the U.S., but um, the world is bigger than the U.S. So I would say um, my recommendation actually is doing something similar to what I was fortunate to have done, which is I, I started out in Germany as an exchange student. And the advantage to that is that um, a program is kind of there as your safety net. You know, I didn't have to start out in Germany just completely with my own efforts. I was uh, exactly, as you mentioned, I studied at Cal State Long Beach, and they have an excellent exchange program with the German state of Baden-Württemberg. And because of this exchange program, I was able to go to one of the conservatories in Baden-Württemberg to study piano. Uh, it was the Musikhochschule Trossingen. It was in the city of Trossingen. It's, it's not a large city, but the Musikhochschule, the conservatory is well-regarded. It's a great institution. Anyway, I was able to study there and I got a visa. And because I had an exchange program, I didn't have to start out just completely only all alone. I, I had an exchange program to help me. Then over time being there, um, as I got better with the language, I was able to then learn more and more about other aspects. So I would say though, if, if you want to get a start, if you if you really want to consider looking beyond the U.S., then wherever you may be studying, look into an exchange program and see. Also, I would recommend everybody who really is a serious musician, who really want to develop, I would recommend taking a foreign language. Uh, it doesn't have to be German. I think German is a really useful language for music, though. I, I started with German as a language because I loved German-speaking composers. For example, Bach. But if you love Italian-speaking composers, take Italian. If you love Verdi, then take a look at Italian. Uh, besides taking a foreign language and looking into exchange programs, I would say that if you if you really want to go for it, then come over and introduce yourself to, to potential professors you might have. Um, get to know the people at the institutions where you'll study. And if you... If you show to them that you're enthusiastic and serious about what you want to do, then they can be of help as well. They can dedicate some time to you to discuss what you would be doing at an institution. And, um, you know, in the days of social media, there are a lot of people you can get in touch with and uh, a lot of forums where you can ask people questions. But if I want to really uh, put one point across to people, to listeners, it's that... Uh, Studying somewhere else, studying in, in Germany particularly, is not such a radical thing. I mean, it's it's very doable. I, I really feel that if I can do it, if I could make it happen, then a lot of other people can make it happen. The reason it happened for me in the end was I just put in a lot of time and effort to learn and to figure out the things I needed to, to figure out to make it happen. But there's not anything um, really exclusive about it. It's just a matter of really going for it. And um, yeah, I've been lucky in a lot of ways. I also, I, I've been fortunate to have a great support system. My family supports what I do. Yeah, I've, I've been a very fortunate person. I think a lot, well, when people think of moving to another country, one of the first things that they come up against is just learning the language, especially if you're a person who's only spoken English your whole life. What is it like learning the language as far as uh, you were in a, an immersion program? 
my um, experience with the German language started actually at Cal State Long Beach. I took a few German courses, uh, partly because the, the degree I was doing there, which was a sort of mixture of piano and musicology, yeah, partly because that degree required I take a language course. So I chose German. So by the time I ended up going over to Germany, I had had actually four semesters of German. And um, thanks to the exchange program I did, I was then enrolled more or less automatically in a language immersion course at a, um, yeah, at a language school in Germany during the summer. Uh, in, in Germany, the semester starts in October. For the exchange program, we started in August. And it, the idea is that you do about six weeks um, of, of language immersion, so intensive courses, and you just go to the language school all day. Um, and then after that was over then, that's when we all went to our respective institutions. And that's when I went then to the uh, Musikhochschule to start studies for piano. So now that you've been studying there for a while, what, in your opinion, are some of the differences between the U.S. and German education, like the pros and cons of each? Yeah, I mean, I could say so much. I mean, I, I think about this all the time. You know, when you live abroad, you inevitably are thinking about the differences between your previous life and current life. Even though I've been over in Germany now for seven years, I, um, I think constantly about what I left behind in the U.S., whether it's family, friends, and yeah, different system in a lot of ways. When it comes to the education system, in a way, the German education system feels very classical compared to what I had as a bachelor's student at Cal State Long Beach. What I mean by that is that most of my grade for this master's is based solely on just essays and presentations. And there's a kind of, in a way, a simplicity to how you're, you're assessed as a student in Germany. If you have a seminar, you'll, you'll have one presentation and then you'll write a paper, for example. And that kind of happens in the U.S., but my impression in the U.S. is that things are a little bit sometimes more flexible. I mean, I, I liked that in my bachelor's, there were other ways that you were said or sort of assessed that there there was maybe more room for for demonstrating that you learned the material maybe doing a sort of project that would require different things not just involve writing a paper you know but maybe for example also accomplishing something that just something a little maybe even more interdisciplinary is this essay thing for specifically the musicology degree that you're a part of or does that apply to something like performance that's a great question well i actually wanted to touch on this so this is actually one aspect of my sort of uh, musical education i've had in germany that I, I will say i have not really entirely been convinced about that I, I do feel a bit frustrated with sometimes. And that is that in Germany, I would say there's a, a pretty strict divide between what you do if you're a music performance student, if you're studying an instrument, for example, or studying musicology. I mean, for me, I've always just really thought that um, a serious musician, that a, being a well-informed musician means being able to do a bit of everything pretty well. In Germany, I would say it's a, it's a bit more specialized. So if you're studying musicology, for example, 
you you in no way are expected to be able to play an instrument or to sing whatsoever, which is not to say really? that many people don't do that. Uh, many of my fellow university students are, are really great musicians, and that says something about what a good system for music Germany has in a lot of ways. But I, I just wish that maybe there were a little bit more of the flexibility that I encountered in the U.S. where... You can go to a university to study something academic, but just because you're doing something academic doesn't mean you just have to do that. So in Germany, uh, sometimes I get the feeling that maybe performing musicians don't quite have the background in sort of the research elements of music uh, and vice right. versa. I just I wish there were a little bit more of a fluidity between the two, I guess. And that's something I like about the U.S. I think that there's a there's an emphasis there on not only playing well but being sort of very informed. Somehow in Germany, it's it appears to me because there are Musikhochschulen, which are conservatories, state conservatories, and then there are the universities. And at the Musikhochschulen, at the conservatories, you will study um, degree programs like piano performance. And then at the universities, you will study things like musicology or also other subjects like philosophy or psychology. And even though there are some conservatories there where you can study both, there's generally just a, a very strict divide in a, in a way. If you're a performing musician, it's not really expected that you ever write serious papers and vice versa. If you're, if you're sort of interested in the academic elements of music, you you don't really have to do much with practical music making, so to say. I'm slightly exaggerating, or maybe it's a slightly black and white portrayal of how it is, but I would say it's definitely more divided than in the U.S., and that's something I, I do miss about the U.S., and I, I do quite like about the U.S. Well, you still take performance lessons, I know, kind of on the side. In fact, you were talking to me about taking lessons in Hungary. Is that specifically for piano that you went there? or, or... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, when it comes to developing musically, I've always seen that as a sort of, um, as an all-inclusive thing. I, I mean, I, I love learning, for example, about Bach. I love researching Bach. But I also consider, in a way, researching and learning to be playing and, and, and vice versa. I, I could never just only read. I could never only just play. So I do still, I mean, I practice every day. I'm actually trying to make a recital happen very soon in Berlin. And yes, as you mentioned, I actually, I still do take piano lessons because of a dear friend of mine whom I do want to mention by name, um, a very good pianist by the name of Tony Chinlin. He's a, he's a really great friend of mine who studies at the Liszt Academy in Budapest. I've been able to meet some of the really wonderful piano faculty there, and I have had some lessons there privately. It's it's an, really a, an incredible institution. Uh, I mean, really one of the great institutions in the world for piano. And it's incredibly meaningful and, and useful and helpful to still seek out instruction with regards to piano while uh, finishing up this master's I'm doing in musicology in Berlin. So yeah, I, I do uh, still do piano lessons. And yeah, I practice every day. I, I love it. And uh, to put it simply, it's essential. Yeah, I'm glad that you have that kind of all-inclusive view. I, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more about always diversifying. If I think if you're not, you kind of stagnate in what you're doing, and it's it's important to 
be a well-rounded person, especially today. Especially today, because nothing is certain <laughs> in what you do. You kind of need various skills. Yeah, and it's um once again, I, I just think the world of music is so fascinating. I mean, for example, I myself have um, not so much experience singing, but I'm I'm so fascinated by uh, the world of singers and learning about their repertory. You know, because my connection to music is primarily instrumental. Piano is my instrument. But, you know, there's so much I would be just content exploring about the world of singing, you know, and to understand why the voice is such an individual instrument or um, to really understand uh, the, the difficulties singers face, for example, and also things like choral conducting. And I just think music is really the most, most interesting subject. I mean, I'm just endlessly fascinated. And I think if I were just... Um, just doing one aspect of that, I, I would feel, I would feel like I was uh, cheating myself of the other possibilities, the richness of possibilities that we're lucky to have as musicians. Yeah, for me, it's it's just about uh, exploring this incredible world that is music. I hope that you all enjoyed and learned from that conversation as much as I did. Please be sure to go check out the Google Arts and Culture page that we mentioned. It'll be linked in the description. And for those who haven't already, uh, you can go ahead and check out my YouTube channel. It's josh.v.music. There you'll find more of my content, some recordings, uh, some vlogs, as well as some original music. So thanks again for listening, and please stay tuned for the next episode of Between Movements.